Um, By the way, Dan, know. those were some nice waves in your beer. I like that. Wasn't that? Yeah, awesome? was, Did you see yeah. the color on this thing? Yeah. Fantastic. That's gorgeous. That's that's the end result. That's in process. Nice little head on it there. So I'm going to be good to go in about five minutes. Doing <laughs> doing podcast gold. Uh, <laughs> You need an update on the what? First of all, what was the gift? And that was too big for the car. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and did it make it back to Virginia? Go. Yes. <laughs> so the gift was an art easel, uh, like one of those folding. That's not bad. It doesn't make noise. What? That's my first. No. What, was it's hang a... on. Was was this the Melissa and Doug uh, whiteboard yes. on one side, blackboard? Okay. Yeah. It does not fold flat. No, does not fold flat. Ours is fuckers. in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa and Doug art easel that claims to fold flat that does not does fold not. flat. And even if it had folded folded flat, the only way it was getting home in one piece was on the roof of the car. Correct. Which That's not necessarily you- appropriate. Sort of like putting Mitt Romney's dog up there. So <laughs> I literally I had... Yeah, I'm just, I'm just here to bring back more positive uh, election memories. Um, so I had to literally break it down into its original parts, which took about a half hour, which was annoying as hell, in the garage, and it it made it home. When you were supposed to leave an hour before you're in there yeah, disassembling. Well, that was, that was part of it, yeah. Dude, I seriously, I want to know how big a boat – each do Melissa and Doug have? That's what I was just thinking. Like, they sell yeah. crayons for twelve dollars a box. <laughs> God damn it, they're geniuses. What kind of my wife? My wife's cousin was getting stuff for their uh, nephews nephew, and the mom was like, "Oh, just you know, go to Amazon and get Melissa and Doug." And the cousin was like, "Am I supposed to know who these people are?" Right. Yeah. That was that was my brother-in-law. He he, the first time he's like, I don't. Who who are Melissa and Doug? Do they make all this stuff at yeah. home, or what is this? Are they are they a couple? Are they brother and sister? Yeah. What's the story? How's this work? Used to be Melissa, Doug, and Sam, but then you know they buried Sam in the back when things were starting to go well. <laughs> yeah. Why split it three ways when you can split it two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they they uh, based and on this conversation, they won't be sponsoring the podcast. And Melissa and Doug right. haven't talked to each other for fifteen years, but they still together just for the branding. Yeah. Dude, whatever, you know, as long as it pays the pays for the boat lease, right? I mean, those people are... <laughs> They've got an in- island. It's not a boat. Yeah. yeah. Seriously. Well, with that, welcome to episode 12 of Disaster Dads. Yep, I have been recording the, the whole thing, so all of that Melissa and Doug conversation will end up in there, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> you got to find gold where you can, and if I keep you guys, you know, guessing what's going to go in now, it's all going to be gold. Right? My son knows where to find gold. Are you, are you talking to us or our four listeners? Well, you might be up to seven now. People do like the short form, uh, so that seems to be going well. Uh, I, so I can count at least four. doing that real quick tonight. Yeah. <laughs> the less we talk, the more they like us. Well, right. you weren't there, Joe, so that seemed to help a little bit. Maybe it's the numbers. Uh, see, I was on something. Zing. <laughs> no, please stay on. Don't click, don't click off, Joe. Don't click off. <laughs> Uh, and please don't that, unsubscribe. Yeah, please don't unsubscribe. I've got Joe, Rob, Dan, and Frank joining me today, so we're excited to uh, welcome you back to 2017 and have our second episode of the year. Um, as you heard, we got a little bit of an update from Joe on how his Melissa and Doug travels went. And again, Melissa and Doug, if you are listening, please, we, we would love to talk and see what you have going on. Maybe a tour of the factory. Uh, tour of the boat. Tour of the boat. <laughs> any sort of items you're willing to get. And if you want to do the Melissa and Doug disaster dads branded a uh, tarp with grommets, I think I that would be say, a big hit for all the kids. Untapped preparedness market. <laughs> yeah. For Melissa and Doug. I'm mm. thinking $87 tarps, uh, you know, some, you know, five fifty paracord. <clears throat> some uh, assembly required. Now, now wait, oh, the, the Melissa and Doug disaster dads branded first aid kit toy set. Yes. 
That'd be good. Mm-hmm. Melissa and Doug, uh, Disaster has branded Survivor Bracelet. That's, you know, you can get in your own colors, and it's, it's got, like, Crayola type of uh, linkage. That could be good. So we're willing to talk. and, and We're, we're open know, to talk. Just Melissa and Doug, shovel for the car? Yes. Shovel. <laughs> and the foldable shovel for the car. Oh, God, so, yes. So, again, Melissa and Doug, reach out to us at Disaster Dads on Twitter or DisasterDads.com and leave a comment, and uh, we'll, reach, we'll get back to you as soon as possible. If you're not can we, Doug, mo- can we take a moment and just talk about how excited Eric's going to be when we actually, <laughs> I shouldn't say when, if we ever actually get a, a legitimate response on Twitter <laughs> to an episode? You know, we've had a couple big uh, retweets, right? Yeah, we had yeah, like, like yeah, a while it's, ago. It's, we had th- an author. Th- thank you, Brad Meltzer. Yeah. Brad yep. Meltzer and then the um, right. flight attendant woman for the last time. Oh yeah, Heather Pool. Heather Pool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I forget My favorite. That. Yeah, I forgot that one. Yeah, that was a good one for us. Well, break it down for us, Eric. What was it? I don't Those remember us- what the tweet was. <laughs> I don't remember. I just remember all of a sudden I hadn't turned off notifications on my phone and it got a lot and I'm like, what? I'm like, I haven't done anything. Oh, feedback. Oh, who was it? Whose beard was, was in there? It? I didn't hear anything. Oh, Maybe it was so me. Then it was you. Okay, I, I don't know what I Damn did. Damn it, Rob. So this is why we can't have nice things. Yeah, we can't have a good podcast. Made by Melissa and Doug. So, <laughs> we wait the Melissa and Doug podcasting set. Yeah, <laughs> that would yes. be good. Have a mixer that doesn't work and just spits out, you know, Play-Doh. <laughs> that I could baby's first podcast. Baby's first podcast. It's just a bunch of feedback noises, like what we're always doing. <laughs> Uh, so again, Melissa and Doug, reach out to us. We'd love to talk. Um, but this episode, you are talking to us um, the week of inauguration here in the D.C. area, which means large crowds of people. And so we're going to talk a little bit about huge, huge. We're going to talk a little bit about crowd preparedness and just, you know, preparing yourself and your family for what you have going on. Uh, and then some of the dads have some um, stories to share regarding uh, uh uh, preparedness when they're out and you know hiking or going out doing something like that um i think frank has a story about some of his recent travels and then um i'll just start off with how my daughter nearly broke my nose the other day so yes that's Epic always photo. fun too can you tweet that photo out i wish i you know and uh since this is an audio podcast let me describe i did have a black eye for a while but it wasn't as it didn't get as bad as i thought it was going to get it's kind of subsided um so Friday, my daughter decided to be uh, be three year old and reject everything and anything and anyone that was near her. So I bent down to have a very intimate, you know, in your ear conversation about how our attitude needs to change and we need to get on board with all of this. Uh, at that moment, she decided to reenact um, Tigger from Winnie the Pooh and see if she could really jump to the top of the tree. And she may be small. But she's got a lot of muscle tone, and she jumped with both those legs and went straight up. And because I was bent over the angle, she caught me right on the bridge of my nose, right on the bridge of my nose, right on my glasses, uh, knocked me flat on my ass. I fell over and uh, had blood getting into my hands and um, uh, getting ready to get on the floor. I don't think I passed out, but I, I did land on the ground. So... Uh, it was my daughter and her other three-year-old friend were, you know, you know, my daughter's just screaming her head off because not that she was hurt, but just I think she was still pissed at me for whatever I was going to make her do. And then she realized I was on the floor. The other little girl, I don't think was really in shock too much, but she just kind of stared at me. Um, and then the two childcare providers that were down there, um, one was uh, the other family's nanny and then our nanny. Our nanny's probably about four foot four, and she just left. She went to go get my wife, and the note that or the message that she got was just, uh, "Eric's on the floor and he's bleeding." And then she left. That's all she did. <laughs> <laughs> and so my wife came downstairs with just a bunch of towels, and she said later, "All I was trying to think, what did he slip on? Like, how did he get? How was he bleeding? What happened? Like, it's just a bunch of kids in the basement. Well, not bunch, just two kids <clears throat> in the basement." Um, so yeah, so she knocked me solid on my nose. Uh, I didn't really think it was broken, but it swelled up pretty quickly. It was bleeding pretty good for a while there. Um, uh, couldn't oh. wear my glasses cause the nose pieces, like when he put okay. it on my nose, it rode so high cause it was so swollen cause of the nose oh. pieces. Um, 
I sent the dads a picture of what I thought was going to start out to be a good shiner going um, both my eyes and uh, didn't hasn't really shown itself yet but so it was swollen for probably three three or so hours and then I saw my wife later that day and she's like you know I don't think it looks even so a either my nose has not been even this whole time and she's just now bringing that up hoping that I'll get it taken care of or b it was actually broken and, and you know it didn't feel broken but something may have happened so brought my daughter to the doctor's office with me so she could see full circle what happens when you don't pay attention to what you're doing not broken <laughs> so, but well, for a couple hours thing, you... since again this is a visual podcast yeah uh uh eric is not a short disaster dad no according no. to the doctor's office i visited i am also a fat disaster dad uh, that i did not realize so <laughs> Um, I'm six foot four and now 272 pounds, according to the doctors. But I was holding an apple juice, an applesauce, uh, my daughter's jacket, uh, one of her toys, and something. (laughs) A crock pot. And a a crock pot and a kettlebell. uh, It was all there. So I'm really probably about 210. (laughs) That's that's what I see when I look in the mirror. You left your shoes on too, right? You got to take your shoes off. 210 stones. What is that, like 14 pounds of stone? Yeah, yeah, no, and my daughter is uh, 37 pounds and three foot something. And is fighting for the title next month. Yeah, it's it's all inertia. It's all inertia. She didn't even notice. She didn't even notice. You're the Ronda Rousey of your family. Yeah, yes, yes, I am. We have the same cup size. It was over fast, and you got beat by somebody who's lighter. (laughs) Yeah. No, she took me out, and it was it was a bit of a, a bit of a shocker. My nose is still killing me. So then, of course, you know things are starting to get better. She feels bad, but you know keeps keeps apologizing. But she's still a three year old. Starts swinging something around when I'm loading her into the car seat. Yeah. Nails me in the nose with the doll's head, like swinging <laughs> around, and I just screamed out loud like I'd stepped on the dog's tail or something. Uh, and she's like, "What's wrong? Oh, my nose? My... I thought it was better." Well, it was until you hit it. Oh, sorry. She she's just clarifying her point. That's all. <laughs> yes. She's just, she's just reminding you. Remind me who's in charge. Who is and in charge? You don't yep, follow exactly. her rules. She'll take you down. <laughs> but yeah, so not exactly disaster preparedness, but oh my god, it was killer. And um, I'm kind of hoping the swelling's gone down. I don't have the black eyes I was expecting, so that's good. But uh, just you know. <clears throat> In terms of preparedness, small frame, they still can take you out and don't even blink. Didn't even notice that that's what really happened. Was more upset that I was trying to talk well, to her, less upset on she took me out. The real preparedness uh, lesson here is to stay away from your older daughter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. Yeah. Yeah, keep on I could good still side. hear that background noise at <laughs> one of the houses. I'm not going to say which one. <laughs> Uh, but it sounds like the interrogation's going well. They're starting to lower one of the oldest ones starting to lower the, the youngest one into the volcano pit, and they're starting yeah, right. the chant to this just is, rip the heart out. This is what happens when you come back from Hawaii and uh, you're on jet lag. The kids don't go to sleep at quarter to ten. Yeah. Uh, not to burst your bubble, Frank, but your house sounds like this most taping nights. So just right. yeah, sorry. put that out there. <laughs> But we love you still, and we love all of them there. Alexa, your, how to tie your, down the children? Air horn still going? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, we love your family. Oh, all right, man. so let's talk about Rob getting lost in the woods. Yeah, so we'll say right, the end we of that. Do that. So, Rob, floor is yours. <clears throat> all right, so the uh, the story is we have a tradition in our family of taking a, a New Year's Day hike. You know, starting the year off, getting outside as long as the weather's nice and in past years many years new years will will mess with you and your resolutions and give you a very nice mild day to get outside and uh enjoy yourself and enjoy the family enjoy the weather we had intended to head up to a a small national park uh in the northern virginia area uh park we've been to before along the river and there is a two-thirds of a mile loop uh my three and five-year-old uh have done similar lengths they're champs with it they just go out all out enjoy the outside and uh go off on a tear um are they kind of like when you take out a dog they actually it may be a three mile loop but they've done seven miles because they go side to side 
Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's very much like letting a dog off a leash. You know, you yell their name, they come back, and, you know, you let them go a little further. Uh, let them play in the river. No, I'm kidding. We don't, they don't play in the river, <laughs> uh, especially not in January. Anyway, so we had, the intention was we would go out uh, midday, do about do this two-thirds of a mile hike, uh, be back home by lunchtime. No problem. Uh, we were going to meet some of our neighbors there. They were running late. We're like, ah, we're ready. We're just going to head out. We know the park we're going to. Uh, we had never done this loop prior. We had done portions of this park, um, but had not done this specific loop. Thankfully, our neighbors have. Um, the intent was to meet them there. We were ahead of them. We got to the park, just the four of us, started on our loop. Uh, we looked at the map real quick, head down this pretty uh, strenuous hill of various switchbacks getting from the parking area down to the river. And when you get to the river, you turn left, follow the trail, just follow the trail markers, and you come back up to the uh, parking lot. Easy peasy. Um, in our trek, we had apparently gotten confused on what color trailblazes to follow. Hmm. Um, so we made our left turn and followed the trail and figured we were on yellow. We're doing good. Uh, realized that it was getting much more strenuous than we had thought and going with a three and a five-year-old going through some pretty deep and steep ravines. Not, not little valleys or, or hills. I'm talking ravines like... At one point, my wife actually just sat down and slid down the hill with our daughter as I'm trying to push my five-year-old up the other side, which they were great. Uh, at that point, we realized that this has been a lot farther than usual, and we probably should have been back to the parking lot by now. Like We were expecting the parking lot to pop up out of any curve at this point. Uh, we finally start seeing houses in a very high-end neighborhood in Northern Virginia, and realized that we weren't supposed to see houses on this loop. Uh, luckily, we had found a hiker coming the other way, and we asked him if we are still on our intended loop. And they're like, ah, no, you know what? You're over here on this trail. And he responded in Mongolian? <laughs> right, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, his uh, his pack animal was, was loaded. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we That's when we got concerned. Um, <clears throat> so he point us and you're on this trail he's like uh if you head up that way towards those houses you can cut out and you'll end up in a cul-de-sac <laughs> uh and so that's where we were at the top of a pipes them cul-de-sac uh and we called, called our <clears throat> we well we were going for three options we came out to the cul-de-sac we uh we're all ready to call our friends from our neighborhood uh to come get us they were they were about 20 minutes away uh then we checked to see if our neighbors who we were going to meet at the park uh, they did still come out, and they were about 20 minutes behind us. And they had, you know, they pulled up. They saw our car when they got there, and they saw our car when they left, and realized that that's kind of odd that they never saw us on the trail. Uh, coincidentally, that's when my wife decided to call them to see if they were still in the area. Uh, they were. They hooked a quick U-turn, and in five minutes, we're cruising down the uh, cul-de-sac to pick us up and take us back to our car. So that's how that's how we got lost and got our rescue. We <clears throat> thankfully uh, we were packed with snacks, water. Our phones were charged. Um, the only thing we didn't have was a decent map. See, but that's that's good. At least you had some of the stuff. It's like when you pack that bag and you're like, do I really need a pack of water for this short hike, or do I really need to right. pack, you know, snacks or whatever? You never know when you get colorblind. Yeah, and a lot of times we, we, we always pack snacks for the kids and us and me and anybody who has a potential to get cranky on any kind of trip. Uh, you know, you yeah. throw a granola bar at them and we're okay. Um, and we always bring water bottles. Uh, and half the time we may just leave them in the car and get them on the way back. This time, you know, it was all just in one backpack and we we grabbed it and we were we lucked out. We were, we were smart about it. Um, so that was our trip. The, the lessons learned was... Um, not every national park has fully functioning kiosks and paper maps and everything. Um, so before you leave, if you go to the National Park Service website, uh, pick out what park you're going to go to, and th they have maps for every park. Uh, some some parks are a little more detailed. They break out the trails. Uh, like this park we were at, there was a trail. There was a map for uh, our intended trail. So had we checked that prior, we would have grabbed that. 
So Rob, was the was the problem that you followed just followed the wrong trail marker? We did, yeah. <clears throat> we got, yeah, the, on the hill down uh, through all the switchbacks, there wasn't any markers. You you pretty much just start the parking lot. There is no other way off this one trail, and you hit the river. That's where it intersects with uh, this heritage trail that parallels the river, pretty much going from downtown D.C. almost out to it might as well be Pennsylvania. Um, we had crossed a small creek, and that's where we missed our turn. We should have made another left and just looped back around. Um, again, once we got to this heritage trail, that was marked yellow, so we figured – Okay, we're following yellow. And then once we realized that there was way more yellows and a lot more turns and when we started hitting the ravines, that's when we knew we were we were we were not where we were supposed to be. So you were essentially Calvin's dad and just trying to build character for your kids. Uh, No, no, (laughs) I want to do we want to do a quick loop. Um, I am all about building character. This was not the intended plan of that day. (laughs) That's. I'm glad everyone got out of it okay, though. Yeah, yeah, we did. We managed to get out, and, you know, it was... The, the fact that we were by a neighborhood, that was somewhat comforting. Um, the... the And I, I hate... I, I'm proud of him, but it does upset me, uh, because once we got out, you know, our kids sat down and by this cr- cluster of mailboxes, and we're just throwing rocks into the street, and my son kind of shut down and was not looking at me or my wife. Um, <laughs> and we get back to the car and I asked him, I was like, are you mad at us for getting lost? He just sat there and looked at me and went, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I, I said, okay, bud, that is, that is totally fine. You are allowed to feel that way. I'm glad you told me you can be mad at me for getting us lost. <laughs> Let, let's point out because to our mom listeners, is mad at though, us too. Let's point out to our listeners, though, that getting lost in a national park outside D.C. is not like getting lost in Yosemite, right? Right. <laughs> hey. You, there, yeah. were, there was no risk of a bear attack here. No, and, no at most we it's saw possible. deer. Uh, <laughs> we did see some deer, and that was about it. Um, we were not, yeah, we were not in Yellowstone getting run down by bison or, or coyotes. <laughs> yeah, but getting lost anywhere with a three and a five-year-old or two and a five-year-old that's that's yeah we were be, we were definitely it doesn't matter if you're getting lost in the mall because you took the wrong turn to go somewhere or you're on a wilderness trail it's pretty much the same reaction and and uh same same amount of just unpleasantness yeah so the lessons learned like i said we that we felt we were smart we we, we packed food and water we were okay we had our charge phones thankfully mm-hmm. um Someone knew where we were. That was the other important That's thing. Cool. You know, people knew we were out for the day. Um, but again, had we thought to get a better map or take a picture of the map that was at the, you know, the single bulletin board at the start of the trail would have been the smart move. Um, the other thing I thought of uh, much later, and it varies on who you want to have access to this outside of family, but on the iPhone is the find friends app that's standing there. Um, you know, if you hit that, you can see where someone else is. It's basically a homing device. So, you know, that's are, an option. There are, if other, you... there are other apps that you can get that aren't the Apple Find uh, whatever thing. Um, that you can set up like family. You can set up like a family circle. On. Yeah, and, I, and I'm just going on the one. My wife and I use the the Find Friends. Yeah. And, and that's basically um, that we linked up together between my wife and I is basically because when I go out and run by myself, you know, I'll say I'll be back in 45 minutes. Well, if it's been two hours, then, you know, she starts the homing device and wonders where I am. Then that means uh, you find out with me to go running, and that's why it's two hours. Yeah, that's what I'm taking. Yeah, I'm dragging you along. Um, thankfully, we've having to go, but it's the, that's the failsafe of, um, you know, making sure we know where he, in those events where each other are. Cool. Yeah. yeah, so I think it just also just drives the point, no matter how small you're your excursion may be or how well you know how familiar you think you may be with this area or the situation just you know plan like it's the first time you've been there and you may get lost a little bit you know get those extra resources get the maps together make sure you have all that just to you know it's a it's a good reminder to you know to go that extra mile for for some things just because you never know you never know what's going to happen yeah and, and we were definitely in the moment of being outside it was nice uh you know, my son got a 
new digital camera for Christmas. So he was having a blast with that. We, you know, he brought that out of the park, was taking pictures of everything and everybody. So, you know, we were definitely in happy family mode and not wilderness survival mode at all. Oh, but you did, I mean, but you did keep the kids entertained. So they didn't quite realize that you were lost until you probably talked to someone and did that. So, I mean, you were keeping them distracted and, and, while yeah i mean while being... it, it wasn't even the point of keeping them distracted it wasn't until we came out and you know they knew we weren't on the trail anymore and we were done hiking and and we told them you know we got turned around we're lost so we're gonna call some friends and and get a ride nice so our daughter was fine with it but yeah the the, the funny part of the story was my son was are you mad at me for getting us lost yes yes <laughs> yes Fantastic. so I, I absolutely respect him for that. I, you know, a new level of, of respect for him there. <laughs> those are the good memories that'll stick with him. I, yeah. I have a, I have a couple of those from when I was a kid. You know, <laughs> uh, I grew up with an uh, uh, outdoorsman father who, if you weren't outdoors in places where people hadn't seen, you know, seen the area for twenty years, you're in the wrong spot type of hikes. And he got us lost a couple of times. I remember one time, all we had was a can of sardines, like. Oh. <laughs> to between the two of us that was it i was it was it was supposed to be like a very short go check to make sure we actually didn't start a fire because of stuff we were shooting like a smart thing but it got dark and we got lost and all we had was a can of sardines that were just stuck in like a cargo pant pocket Oof. first off i don't remember why i had sardines in my cargo pant pocket but um yeah you know you never know when you may need it so it's a memory i've had for a long time not maybe the best kind because i'm a little bit older so it's got a little more of a flavor of I blame you, but uh, <laughs> yeah, something to keep in mind. Well, cool. Uh, again, always uh, always check so, out the parks the park service for those maps. And I think what did we talk about it before? Uh, National Geographic has the uh, uh, oh, all the topographical maps. maps. Yeah. So you can also get those if you're looking for uh, something at that level of detail too. They're free now. Yeah, and well, yeah, and I. Uh, Rob, I was just going to say, um, before we hear about Frank's travel adventure, you know, I think because we do have a couple of big events happening in our area this weekend with the presidential inauguration on Friday, and then a big, um, was it the Million Women March? March on Saturday, on yeah. On Saturday, um, that, you know, a lot of those lessons, you know, we talked, we've talked in past episodes a lot about just sort of overall how you should approach preparing your family for life in general. And I think that a lot of the lessons that we've drawn out of Rob's uh, forced march through the wilderness of North Virginia are applicable to any time you're going to take your family outside, whether it's to a national park or to the inauguration or to just a big, just to have a day out in downtown in the city where you live, right? Bring a couple bottles of water, bring some snacks, mm-hmm. um, if we're particularly if we're taking the our kids downtown to like go to a museum or something, we um, stockpile uh, Happy Meal toys that we. Mm. So our kid our kids still don't to this day know that Happy Meals come with toys because we <laughs> like don't put them on because one I don't want all that crap all over my house and two. Um, it's great for like, if you're riding on the Metro, that way you don't have to bring a toy that they actually care about, um, you know, that is easily disposable and you can just pull, just keep pulling them out and throwing them at the kids, uh, to keep them distracted. If, so if you're, you know, going on a long car ride or you're taking the Metro in or the subway in or mass transit in somewhere to enjoy the day, uh, you know, they're lightweight, they fit in a pack next to a bottle of water or something like that and uh are are easy to do so a lot of the sort of thought processes that we were thinking where we've been talking about for uh wilderness forced march adventures with with the family also work if you're just going to go to a large public event because you know in effect you're you know both of those events one's happening on a federal holiday so you know inauguration so a lot of a lot of resources may be closed, right? So mass transit is restricted. A lot of businesses are going to be closed. Um, so you're going to be outside. You know, you're going to be using porta potties and things like that. Uh, so you want to be prepared to deal with all of the sort of um, logistics of bringing a kid somewhere where you may not have all of the resources that you would have 
just on a normal sort of trip to Walmart or Target. Um, and you also have to plan that you're going to be out of the house for a while. So, you know, wa- you know, check the weather for clothing. Um, you know, weather wasn't a factor for Rob, but, you know, dress in layers mm-hmm. so that you can be prepared for shifts in weather. No, no more than one way to get in or out. You know, if you're going into inauguration or to the Million Women's March in our area this this weekend, um, if you are dependent on one line of the metro and that's the only way you know to get in or out, well, I hope the day goes really well for everybody uh, on both days. But uh, if it doesn't, then you're going to be uh, in a tight spot if you have to scramble with however many hundreds of thousands of other people along with you to figure out how to go. Yeah. But if you know, oh, there's another metro line two blocks over, one block up, because uh, you looked at a map before you went in, you're going to be much better served. So I think a lot of the sort of specifics that we were talking about with Rob are going to apply in general when you're just thinking about an outing with with the kids. The only big caveat, and, I mean, the, the obvious major difference um, with the inauguration and, and with the march on Saturday – yeah. the women's march um is to really pay attention to security measures um mm-hmm. you know what what the what the park police what park service or dc police have set up for those events as to what you can and can't bring in yeah you know the size yes. of the bag can you bring water can you know there's all right. sorts of stuff that they're gonna limit you to so that's that's definitely the you know start with yeah. what can i bring and then Go well, from and, there and, with and down. And speaking of wildlife, I believe at the Million Women's March, Joe, weren't you saying that there are going to be more cougars there in the average <laughs> national park? <laughs> That's probable. Uh, estimates are that it will be high, yes. Right. <laughs> I haven't seen that in the news For yet. Your, <laughs> you won't need. <laughs> Dan's about to fall out of his chair. <laughs> I'm so proud of that one. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Bring you, you won't need like, bear spray, like but you may joke, need cougar spray. I like spray. blaming it on Joe more than I like the joke. <laughs> uh, that nitro IPA nearly came back out his oh, nose. Gosh, and thank you, Guinness. Uh, <laughs> Guinness sponsored that joke. Uh, <laughs> well, well done. So you got us all now, and well done. I did not, I did not expect that one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and here's the other real question, Rob. Did you have a tarp with you in on the hike? Uh, not on the hike. No, there is one in the car though. All right. That's close. We'll allow that. (laughs) A lot Um, of good it would have done you there. Yeah. Right. I don't care. I don't carry the tarp with me, but one thing that we do have that I like that has a bunch of supplies in it is the little kid carrier backpack thing where you can put your kid in it. It's got a little, uh, it's got a pack in there just to not really good for a lot of stuff, but it's good for keeping like just supplies in there at all times. You know, so you just grab it and go and you just have like kind of a standard stash of, you know, granola bars, whatever things that don't go bad that are just kind of zipped in there. So that's kind of nice because yeah. that's at uh, least one I, of the actually, kids is always in that. Speaking of the, the kid carrier pack, we did get a question from a, from our listener about the, uh, a tactical style kid carrier pack. So, uh, I'll, I'll take on reviewing that and we'll get back to you in the next episode. Yeah. Yeah, we, that 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 comment has not been ignored. We are we are workshopping that. Yeah. No comment gets ignored. <laughs> if you email us a comment, we think about thoroughly it. scrutinized. Yeah. Yes. We may not write back as quickly as I as we should, but we do actually talk about it and figure out how to incorporate it into it. Well, and I'm no, not I allowed, find it cool. I'm not allowed to respond to user comments uh, at the or listener comments uh, for uh, for legal reasons. That one. Yeah. Right. but but in googling that there are actually quite a few tactical like dad kid packs stuff like with molly and all that kind of stuff which would have been highly entertaining i don't know but molly the webbing not the drug wow how old are you i didn't 34 thanks dad I to clarify, I'm sure there was a listener or two who was really confused by what, that. What are kids on these days? <laughs> Molly is a drug, guys, I've heard. <laughs> Miley Cyrus told Joe that. My wife teaches high school. All her kids are on Molly. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. 
Well, right, and the, and the generation, hey, this, the generation hey, these hey. days can make their own meth. So guys, what do nice I story. always tell you guys? Professionalism. Let's lock it down. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. Let me get my beer. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, all right. Anyway. So I'm, believe, uh, I'm just taking over. So I think we've uh, – have we covered that one? Are we good? I think so. Any other final thoughts? Just saying, if you're going to allow your large crowded event, make sure you know how far <laughs> it is back to your house just in case mass transit shut down for something yeah. and you have to walk. Yeah. yeah. Wear comfortable shoes. Absolutely. And, and uh, dress for the occasion, very much yeah. so. Prepare to walk several miles if you have to. Yeah. And again, if you have any tips on particular brands of walking shoe, tweet us at Disaster Dads uh, or email us uh, the dads at disasterdads.com. That's correct. I would also Preferably like to sh- orthopedics. Yeah. I would like to also <laughs> share that uh, Disaster Dad Joe just about choked on a maraschino cherry that was in his drink. Uh, that's why he was off the air for about five minutes there. The maraschino cherry. I nearly cherry died. Won. Where's Frank when you need him? No kidding. And, and since Dr. Heimlich is dead now, I don't know what you can do. Yeah. All right. So man. Uh, All with right. that, let's hear about Frank's flight. Yeah. So Frank went on his monthly vacation, whether he needs to. <laughs> you know, you're right. My monthly vacation. Hey, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. So I'm on an overnight flight from Hawaii to uh, uh, Phoenix. Um, about a six and a half hour flight. And about three quarters of the way through. Uh, flight attendant comes on and says there's a medical emergency and asks for anybody with um, any type of medical experience to come up and help. So I get up and walk up to the front with another EMT up to be on board and a paramedic. Because you have medical experience. Let's just get that. Let's just state that for the record. Yeah. So, uh, and I learned from the best, you and uh, you and Dan, right? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Let me just tell you. <laughs> Um, so, so to the, our condolences to the patient's family. Yeah. <laughs> well, Frank was able to fly the plane where it needed to go. He did get that part of the right. transport down. All right. But no, so seriously, so you and another so, ENT and a medic. We get up to the front, and yep. um, we're on a 757, so it's the section right behind first class. And there's a gentleman in his 70s who is passed out. Um, he's clammy. Um, apparently he took some type of medication, uh, and normally he goes to bed after he takes it. So his body wasn't used to processing it with him sitting upright in a confined space, lack of water. He passes out, um, sitting across from him was an ER doc and her husband who was a doctor as well. So we're tending to the patient. We, he comes back around. We're trying to get all the medical information from him. What he did how much he's drank, how much he's eaten, stuff like that, and he's going in and out of consciousness. Um, so it's frantic. you got the doctor, you've got two EMTs, so you've got the paramedic. Let's take a quick, quick time out there just to talk through that. So I've done, I've done this dance on an airplane before, too. The first aid kit on airplanes, not ideal. Yeah, no, and, and I, I want to get to that because this particular kit – um, was lacking in a few areas. So um, the ER doc, and this is actually the first time I, an incident like this happened on a plane where a doctor has taken charge. I've had it before where they've looked at me and said, oh, you're the MT, you take care of it. If you need me, I'll jump in, um, which is, I think, kind of par for the course. Standard ER doctor training. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we get the flight attendant to bring up the med kits, and she's got three bags. She's got a red bag. She's got a green bag, and then she's got this blue box-type thing. It's about uh, 15 inches long, about 5 inches wide, and about 10 inches deep. Um, On the back side of it is a stethoscope and a BP cuff, an an automated BP cuff um, that doesn't work very well. So we're trying to get a blood pressure. It's not working very well. We're trying to do a manual read, but you can't hear because You're on an airplane. the engine's going, the hum of the engine, you can't hear. So we're trying to do it as best we can. Um, we take a couple blood pressures, and, and throughout the, our first like 15 minutes, he's trending down instead of trending up. We're giving him water, um, doing all the stuff you need to do to help somebody with a diabetic emergency, and he keeps trending down. So, sorry, Frank, so he is he has a past history of diabetes? Yeah, he's type 2 diabetes. Diabetes. 
And for um, the listeners at home, type two is uh, non-insulin dependent. Right. Um, he's sitting in the middle seat. Um, somebody who happens to be a type one diabetic next to him. So she's got a um, blood pressure re- or um, a glucometer. So she's we're checking his his um, blood sugar. His wife. How, how on was the other it? Side, um, it was it was low, um, and I don't, I didn't catch the original number. Um, wife sitting on the other side of him is practically immobile. So she's just sitting there and she can't move very well. So we're having to work around her. So the lead flight attendant comes to us and says, here's the situation. We can land right now in Los Angeles. The problem is, is that we time out and you guys are stuck in LA until they can get a replacement crew to fly this flight the rest of the way to Phoenix. Or you stabilize the patient and we land in Phoenix, but we need to know soon. So very excited that this attendant. captain took this decision on wholeheartedly. So it's up to <laughs> you guys to decide if you're gonna piss off the rest of this plane. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we get we look through the rest of the bag. Um, we put him on oxygen. This particular onboard oxygen tank that they have for medical emergencies has it, your typical regulator on it that tells you how much oxygen is in the bottle but it doesn't have a flow regulator to allow you to provide different levels of Jeez. oxygen okay to so, it's the patient. On or off. so it's either on or off um <laughs> and so uh, who knows how much was coming out of there but he's getting a full and it's one was of that was it a non was it a non-rebreather mask or was it no, a it was one of the ones that come out of the uh, um out of the top of the plane in case there's a oxygen issue so on the plane it's, it's a, a mask with the with the bag on it that's had how many flight attendants mouths yeah. on it? Gross, yeah. nasty bag. <laughs> so yeah. he's no, on that. The bag. The I'd bag rather is like, die. The bag's anyway. blown up like a balloon. Um, right. and so the doctor makes a decision. We need to lay him down. So we have to move. The one patient climbs over both him and his wife to get out. Um, we have to literally pick the his wife up and move her to another seat so we can lay him down and elevate his legs. Is that a pre, the, was that a pre-existing condition from the wife, or is, did that like happen? Uh, a, a little bit of both. A little bit of both. God, she, this story um, keeps going. Yeah. So we lay him down. All the time um, his wife is with two kids on a plane for six hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, no. My wife was in the back with the younger one, the very back, and my um, oldest was sitting in a seat by himself with some girl sitting next to him who he didn't know but he was a sound asleep so um the flight attendant kept checking on him so that was good um we decided to iv uh put an iv in the guy to, to rehydrate him did you have any sugar on board you could give him if he had a low blood sugar reading we did we gave him some orange juice um some other things just to kind of to get it to come up but he's still trending down um three of us tried to get a blood pressure and it's Around, I think the first one was around 116. The next one was around 105. Um, we, you know, we're doing it by pelt because we can't. Right, right. We can't get another, so. Um, we go pull out the IV stuff. There's a bag of saline uh, solution. There's a 22 gauge needle, and that's it. Um, there's no IV flush. And it, there. Again, for the and for the listeners at home, a 22 gauge is not that big. It's a very small needle. You're not going to get yeah. a lot of volume through that. Yeah, very slow drip coming out of it. Right. Um, they they have a spot for a tourniquet, but in all the shuffling, the tourniquet popped out. Um, so we had to use a belt um, wow. as a tourniquet. Frontier medicine. Yeah. Dude, how <laughs> stoked were you when you were like, get me a belt? Yeah, it's literally what I did. I turned around and I said, I can't find the tourniquet. It's not in the bag. I don't see it on the floor. I need a belt. And were, so the flight were you attendant flying a the, low budget airline? I was not. I was flying. Hold on, hold on. We can have a flying. fifteen minute conversation about <laughs> Melissa and Doug, but don't name the airline. <laughs> I was flying a legacy <laughs> carrier. Carrier lawyers. Yeah, right. It was a legacy carrier. Let's just put it was a legacy carrier. And let me sterilize this needle with the vodka that you have in your heart. So we the the paramedic preps the or starts he's trying to do the the iv but the first needle when he pulled the the um the the cap off of it actually pulled the needle out with it so and again i go like, back to the use the vodka 
Yeah, right. We're like, uh, then you're so like, if you need a ballpoint pen. Luckily, <laughs> another, luckily, luckily, there was another needle in there. We he got it out, got the IV going. Um, we waited a little bit. Of course, the slow drip. It's taking time. So the ER doctor decides to take the blood pressure cuff, wrap it around the saline bag yeah. as yeah. tight as she can, and pump it up just to squeeze a little more uh, solution out of it. I'm into it. So he starts to he starts to come around. He's starting to get more lucid. Finally, his he's starting to trend the other way. His blood pressure starting to go back up. And then her husband happens to look over at the wife, and she doesn't he's look like, too good. What did you do to my wife? <laughs> she doesn't look too good. Yeah. So we start. We take our eyes off the patient, off this this elderly gentleman, and look at the wife. The wife is having a stroke. At thirty some thousand feet on the airplane, on a pressurized airplane, right? Yeah, fantastic. So the wife had actually come up to the gate in a motorized scooter. She checked in one of those four wheel motorized scooter. Gate checked it, so she wasn't too mobile to begin with. Getting on the plane, she had had a previous um, condition. She had had a stroke some time ago, and now she's having another one right in front of us. At 30-some thousand feet, there's not too much you can do about that. You can't give them aspirin. You can't do anything. You just, you know, we did the stroke test, and, yep, she was having a stroke. She was weak on one side, slurring her words, droopy face. Um, so at this point, we look at the doctor, and the doctor's like, maybe we should have landed in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to so do? This is this is when you tell that pilot to go back to his top gun training and start hitting the gas. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. – so the uh, need for speed. <laughs> the the nurse is trying to, or the the um the flight attendant is trying to relay the information to the pilot. I finally grabbed the phone and I said, "Let me talk to the pilot." So I'm telling the pilot, the patient is starting to trend up. He's starting he's starting to come around. He's feeling better. We have another problem. His wife is having a stroke. How far out are we? He goes, "We're less than an hour now. We're starting our initial descent." I'm like. Talk to the tower, clear the flight path. We're landing. We need to land now. Have paramedics on standby because we got to get this woman off the plane. Because um, there's a window for a stroke patient. If you get yes. outside that window, the damage is likely not going to be reversible. At least if you're in a window, you can treat them right away. Right. So we had Phoenix Fire Rescue standing by at the gate. I have never been on a plane that landed so hard and so fast. Yep. I mean, he hit the ground, and it took us a while to slow down and stop. And right to the gate, stop, fire rescue on board. They took him off. The the the, the gentleman was doing much better. Um, he was having a conversation with the with the medics. They put the wife on the stretcher, and they took off. I mean, they, they out the gate. They didn't even go into the airport. Down the thing. Correct. Yeah. In the ambulance, and took off. Yeah. And and we would back in our glory days when we were uh, hauling people, we would refer to that as diesel therapy. Yeah, right. Just get him in the back of the rig and drop and go back to the ER. Don't mess around. Yeah, no. um, zero messing it, around. Yeah. Just just to talk a little bit about an onboard medical kit. This particular one had so one bag of saline. Yep. It had only one size IV needle. Yep. Um, and I guess the the thought there is you want was it a five hundred milliliter bag like a standard yeah. sort of yeah it was a standard bag, bag. yeah so you, you want it to last as long as possible depending on right there's no large airport in, in sight but um, there was no IV flush I don't like automated BP cuffs no. they're they're hard to use sometimes they don't work well if the battery hasn't been checked um, this one was given us fits. Um, and this is an the, overwater uh, flight, like yeah, yeah. I mean, it started it started over the Pacific Ocean before we got to before we got to um, California coast. So there was some other things. Um, you know, the tourniquet had popped out. Um, it did have stuff like it had two epipens. It had some other medicine, and it has a list. Were they encode of um, of what was in the bag, so you could actually see without having the problem is then trying to find it. Yeah. And, you know, as, as EMTs, we train. We know what's in the bag and where it is <clears throat> yep. in the bag. So that's another point. 
and I did forget to mention that the ER doc said, grab me the AED. I need to see if this, if she couldn't, because he was trending down, if he was having a cardiac issue. Right. So we pop out the AED and, you know, put the pads on. And, of course, it's one of those smaller AEDs, so it doesn't have sinus rhythm on it. No. So we just it's, have it's to, just telling you if it's monitoring and shock, it's shock just advised. Yeah, it's shock it's just, yeah. So it said, you know, no shock advised. Shock so we took advised. the pads off and turned it off just to make sure no one hit a button and shocked the guy inadvertently. Um, Probably not possible, but, yeah, good call. Yeah. So, but it's the AED, typical, I mean, if you, if you use one AED, you could figure this one out. It was no problem. But that med kit had some issues. And I talked to the flight attendant afterwards, and I said, do you consult with doctors on this or do you consult with like EMTs? And she's like, I think they consult with doctors, but I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure. So I was like, oh, let me make a couple suggestions. Where is that <laughs> what comment to box on my <laughs> way out? Yeah. I'd like to leave something. <laughs> yeah. Here. And I'm like, uh, here's who they consult with. They consult with lawyers. Yeah. And lawyers tell them, this is what you need to have in order to meet the code. <clears throat> lawyers of- from an insurance company. Right. Yeah. This is what well, the or the FAA tells us we need to have yeah. in order to be within, uh, you know, normal, you know, standard operating procedure, which meets our liability requirements for our insurance. Yeah. I was like, one of the biggest things you need to do is have a flow regulator on your O2 bottle. I like we because sometimes you know and have like a nasal cannula and a regular mask, a non rebreather. You don't need. Uh, it was basically turn it on. It was full power. Yeah. Coming into this guy, we want to be able to control it. And those old man lungs liters. explode. Yeah, we don't want to. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I she's know like, they won't explode, Dan. I'm just I making see, a facetious point. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, I think that O2 thing is is problematic in that it's not it's not ideal to not to only have one level of. Uh, okay, for all of our listeners, Eric Strick, Eric just left. What uh, what do we want to do? He just ran out of the room. <laughs> The show is all ours. Let's go. Coming back. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so as I was saying, uh, the uh, the O2 thing is problematic, but um, I think that blood, the blood, the the inability to get a good trend line on the blood pressure, yeah, particularly when you have like that long of a transport, is really problematic, right? Yeah, yeah. and there there are much better manual blood pressure cuffs or auto, automatic blood pressure cuffs than what yeah. they had in this bag. Yeah. And given your environment and the noise around you, you yeah. need something that you can actually rely on, and that was not this. Let me yeah. let me tell you, I'm looking right now on what the FAA mandates on a uh, airliner's medical kit. It includes two 18-gauge needles, two 20-gauge needles, two 22-gauge needles, of which you found one, uh, or they, they found six two. needles. Well, you found two, but only one was working. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you were, you were shy. There was another one on there, <laughs> counselor. Yeah, you, you were shy four needles. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole list yeah. that the FAA requires, and it's – Pretty comprehensive, but yeah, there's definitely some things missing here. Yeah, I, I would bet that most major carriers don't come anywhere close to what is on that list, and we'll, well put that list up in the show notes. Yeah, definitely. Like, Why not? But uh, yeah, and as EMTs, like we check our bags every shift, uh, or we did when we were EMTs. <laughs> I just got the letter to say I'm in two years to do my recertify if I want. Good luck with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know that on these airliners, they're not checking these bags every day. They're not, uh, and if they are, they, well, they can't be because shocking. They're, they're um, they've got a plastic zip seal on them, so you have to break the seal in order to unzip them. Right. So, unless they're replacing those every time they open the bag, they're yeah. not checking them. Yeah. Well, Breaking like, news: they're not replacing them every flight. Yeah. Probably like one of those TSA things where you go to the the lavatories and they've got the strips to make sure the panels haven't been opened in there or whatever. Right. It's probably exactly. one of their things too. So I had a similar situation to Frank. This was a long time ago. This was pre nine eleven. That's how long ago this was. I was flying. I was. I've been an EMT for two years. I was flying to a study abroad in the UK, and similar situation. Uh, the uh, air, uh, flight attendant gets on and says, oh, if there's anyone with medical 
training, hit the call button, we have a situation. So I hit the call button, no one comes, so I figure, oh, they got it figured out, it's fantastic. Then about 10 minutes later, one of the flight attendants goes running back to one of the bathrooms with an oxygen tank. And I go, oh, well, I guess I better go see what's going on. So I walk back, and similar to what you were saying about doctors earlier, Frank, so there's a guy in the lavatory, pale, sweaty, feeling nauseous. There are two doctors there, okay? One's a neurosurgeon or a neurologist, and one was a cardiologist. Cardiologist says, I think this guy's having a heart attack. He's pale. He's sweaty. He's nauseous. Neurologist said, I think this guy's having a stroke. He's pale. He's sweaty. (laughs) He's nauseous. (laughs) Dan, the 21-year-old EMT who's only been treating drunk college students for his EMT career at that point, turns to the guy and goes, hey, how many drinks have you had so far, buddy? And he goes, not a lot. And I said, not a lot for an American or not a lot for a Brit, because he was British. (laughs) And he goes, oh, you know, just what you do on a Saturday. And I said, well, how about you switch to, you know, water or ginger ale, and let's keep going to your country where health care is free. How does that sound to you? (laughs) And he goes, well, I guess that sounds like a good plan to me. So we all go back to our seats. Five minutes later, a flight attendant comes back from first class with a bottle of Dom Perignon and hands it to me and said, thank you so much for dealing with this. And she's like, oh, do you want to open this now? And I said, no, I'm going to a study abroad program. I'm showing up there like a hero. Are you kidding me? And I walked in. I had a 15-year-old bottle of Dom Perignon in my pack. And I walk in and tell the story. It was hilarious. But anyway, yeah, but the same thing was, so we get, when I get there, you know, they've got all the aid bags there opened up. And again, this was 17 years ago now, uh, 16 years ago now. I don't even think we had blood pressure capability on that flight. And that was, again, transatlantic. That was uh, uh, Logan, Boston Airport to London, Heathrow. Um, nothing on board to really do anything. So I think the one thing, too, it- Doctors, like I said earlier, sometimes they they look to see who's who's below them, and they'll just turn it over to them, and they just step aside and they'll like they want to keep their hands free and clear. Oh, that's a liability issue. Back to the lawyer thing. Absolutely a liability issue. Yeah, yeah. And on on a previous flight, had a woman who who again they're dehydrated, they don't eat, they don't drink, they take this medicine that they're supposed to be drinking plenty of fluids. They're on a plane, it's they're overheating, and they they start to feel nauseous or they pass out or something like that. And a, a woman had passed out in the, uh, the rear galley of a plane. And, um, I got back there after a doctor and he was like, uh, it was an oncologist or something like that. I mean, he was a doctor, but not one who practiced, um, internal medicine or anything like that. And, so I went to grab the oxygen tank and put oxygen on it. He goes, what are you doing? And I said, I'm going to give her oxygen to help her breathe better. And he's like, I didn't tell you to do that. Oh, there's about to be two patients on this floor. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> oh. okay. I'm like, shall I pull out the EMT book and tell you what it says about oxygen? Because she needs it. So I'm putting it on her. And I, I did. I put it on her against his. He's like, I'm telling you, don't put it on her. I'm like. I don't work for you. I put it on her. She started to feel better. And that was it. And I was like, go back to your seat. I'll take care of this. (laughs) What's the contraindication for O2 there, Doogie? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I I really want to hear from listeners because I think if we went around the horn, every one of us would have one of these stories. And I guarantee you, if if there's listeners we have who are pre-hospital providers, uh, they have stories. I ran a wreck on the ambulance one day. And we get there. It was a motorcyclist down. Actually, I was riding the engine that day. And we get there, and there's already a doctor who's assessing the the motorcycle, uh, the motorcyclist. As it turns out, this guy is there. He's holding C-spine. And every time you would ask the doctor a question, he would turn his head so that the patient's head went with him. Nah. And 
And eventually we had to be like, uh, what kind of doctor are you? Oh, he was a podiatrist. Uh, I thought you were going to say chiropractor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, He wasn't just like, you know, creaking in the guy's neck. No, no, no. So we're like, Doc, maybe it's best if you go stand over there and you leave this to people who have actually treated trauma before. Just watch his feet. Ooh. Hot take. Yeah. yeah. Bad Joe. Hot take. Hot take. Hot take. All about the hot take. Don't be podiaster or maraschino cherry. He'll take you down. Right. (laughs) Okay. Cool. All right then. Uh, So we've been talking for an hour. Most listeners gave up a half hour ago. Yeah. But we appreciate all of you that are sticking with us for sticking with us. Um, You know, if you have anything to add to the conversation, send us a tweet at Disaster Dads or it's just getting sad now, Eric. Hey, I'm trying to get it out there. I want (laughs) or or just rate us on iTunes. We have you all done a review or rated us on iTunes yet? course not what yeah, this see? horrible show there i'm not go. rating this horrible show yeah oh, we're rating this <laughs> gotta rate your own show we gotta no. get up there so if you listen to us via itunes you, give us a rate you, you, Good this rate, sounds please. Like you're telling people to wear the t-shirt of the band they're going to <laughs> <laughs> don't be that guy you have to start <laughs> buying your own merch to get it going you need that order somehow do we have any ratings on you're itunes no man anyways uh, I want to thank the dads for joining us. Thank all of our listeners for uh, taking part again. And, um, you know, we panic so you don't have to. And we'll talk to you later. Bye. <laughs>